do this. Another episode, Marketing, Management, and Money with Ryan and Ryan. As usual, here we are talking all things small business, and we try and cover those three topics, marketing, management, and money. Well, today we are going to cover the money side of things. Now, a lot of times when you talk about money, it's sort of this necessary evil. People are like, ah, I know I should do better with my finances, Yeah, but, but they don't necessarily want to. And uh, There's a lot of procrastination and guilt tied into it. <laughs> For some people, not all. I, I will throw that out there as well. Today's episode is on procrastination and guilt. Yeah. <laughs> there Other, it is. Otherwise known as small business finance. finance. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. So if you suffer from procrastination and guilt, uh, we are going to be talking about hiring that CFO. Uh, and honestly, whatever you want to call it. If, if you're not using the C-suite titles, you know, if you don't have like CEO and CFO and CTO, all that, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, it, it, it can be your accountant. It can be your bookkeeper. It can be your head of finance, your, uh, you know, finance manager. Whatever title you are using, doesn't matter. What we're talking about is we're talking about the one in charge of the finances. And we're going to talk about bringing someone on to do that. Now, maybe you already have somebody. And if you do, well, we're, we're going to be talking about traits and characteristics of this person. Uh, if you don't have, <laughs> you know, somebody, then we're going to be talking about traits and characteristics to look for. And if you share an office with this person... <laughs> So <laughs> you might you might want to put your headphones on. I, I I'm gonna give a disclaimer that I am probably gonna be a little bit offensive on this episode because honestly I I have some strong opinions. Now they're they're not completely You have strong opinions? <laughs> no, no. Only on this topic. <laughs> but they're they're not unbiased or no, they're not unfounded. They are biased. <laughs> They're not <laughs> unfounded. There you go. Good catch. Uh, because I, I've seen, oh, I've seen what a CFO can do for your company, and I've seen what a CFO will do to your company. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. We're, that was subtle but biting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, these are, these are, a lot of these are stereotypes, right? Stereotypes are what they are for a reason. Sure. Right? I mean, that's a protection mechanism that we implement as human beings. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that we're trying to go out there and take everybody off and say, you are this way because you're in charge of finance. You know, not everybody is going to be this way or carry all of these traits or, or whatever. It's just, again, stereotypes. It's a general approach to the lay of the land, if you will. Right. Sure. So I don't know. Don't, <laughs> if you are sharing an office <laughs> with this person, and are not going to put your headphones in. Don't don't fret too Wait. badly. But so you know. So so let let me start out with this. My undergrad is in finance, and when I started studying finance, I'll tell you that this was a beautiful moment. So it's my capstone class. I went to a, uh, it, it was a, a private college, a liberal arts college, uh, Westminster College in Salt Lake City, Utah. Wonderful school. And you get some pretty smart kids that go through that school. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, a, a run-of-the-mill, whatever, churn-and-burn type, uh, you know, school. So they pride themselves on the quality of education. 
So here we are, we're in a capstone finance class. We've been studying finance for four years and there were only oh, about dude, that seriously <laughs> i want to put my head I'm... under a freaking semi wheel right now just that the thought of that it was it was wonderful i thoroughly enjoyed it but <laughs> so <laughs> at at the end there were there were only about nine of us in this class that, that, that only, <laughs> there were only nine that lasted <laughs> <laughs> that, that hadn't been kicked off the island yet or basically or drowned themselves in the ocean yeah. oh my gosh dude this is not starting out well it's not looking oh. pretty for all those people considering no. a career in finance <laughs> and all those and all the people that we we so harshly judged for their procrastination and guilt at the beginning you're like no. see ha! i told you i know <laughs> so we're in this capstone class. The professor reaches out to this small business. And um, what what had happened is this small business was experiencing rapid growth. And they didn't expect to see rapid growth. And so they uh, what they would do is they would create hats for cancer patients who, uh, primarily female, who had to lose all their hair due to chemo. And, nice. and they would do these these hats that were designed specifically for that. So they, they were fashionable because you kind of had to wear them all the time. And they were comfortable because, you mm. know. Because you kind of had to wear them all the time. Well, well, but beyond that, you know, like it, just a bald guy doesn't have the same irritations as someone who is going through chemo. Right. And and most That's people yeah. don't recognize that. They're just like, we'll just put something on. It's like, huh, if you're wearing it all the time and you're going through chemo, like that's actually a big deal. And yeah. and because the uh, the owner recognized this, uh, she was hugely successful because people who got her hats, they loved the care and the you know compassion that she put into yeah. her design. Oh, for sure. And so all of a sudden, her business is just exploding, and she's like, oh, what do I do? So um, so she ends up reaching out to this professor. He reached out to her. I don't know how the connection was made. But basically, as a capstone finance class, we end up doing a pro forma financial for her as you know kind of a way for us to learn and a way for her to kind of grow her business loved the experience learned a whole lot doing that but i remember we're on this uh, introductory call and uh, you know there's only nine of us so you put the speakerphone on we're all just kind of sitting there learning a little bit about this business and she says right on she's like yeah so i've got my pnl and every student in the class starts looking at each other like what's a pnl what yeah, yeah. I this is the capstone finance class. Four years of studying finance. I'm not even kidding you. And we're all staring at each other like, "What's a PNL?" And the professor catches on to this. You know, hits the mute button on the phone and says, "It's an income statement." And then we keep going. Oh my gosh, man! And <laughs> what what like, I <laughs> that's case in point right there that college is like five years behind actual industry and and uh, you know we, we we just lost 20 listeners because they're like how, oh you have no credibility <laughs> yeah. how much did you pay for your schooling too much we all did we all feel that pain i know but it it taught me this important lesson and I noticed this because when I got out of school, I'm like, oh, I've got a degree in finance. And uh, <laughs> so proud. And I'm like, I didn't know finance. You know, I would I would meet with these businesses that were doing real world financials. And I'm just like, um, 
yeah, yeah, that's that that that's that's a real problem. And I, I didn't know what they were dealing with because it yeah. it didn't relate. There there wasn't a uh, a way for you to translate your education experience into this real world environment that and and was operating on a different plane. And that's the first thing that I'm going to say is I'm going to say that now I guess I should put a clarifying point here. Now that I've been working with a lot of entrepreneurs and I have combined the real world experience with the education, I see the flip side. I see these people that they, you know, they started out as, you know, like they, they, they were just in accounts payable and, you know, the, the, the person who does the books ends up quitting or right. whatever. Right. And all of a sudden they're like, you, <laughs> you're, you're in payables. You're now over the entire company financials. Right. And they're like, cool, I've never studied this. I was making $11 an hour, and now I'm over the company financials. And so <clears throat> what I want to say is this. If you're going to have someone over your books, you got to have a combination of the schooling, the education, and the experience. Mm -hmm. You have to. This is not yeah. like if we're talking about a salesperson, you can get a salesperson that they just excel in sales and they have zero education. That's great. Run with it. Right. You can get an engineer that only went to school and they just they're super smart, but they really don't have any real world experience. That's fine. You can still hire them. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that on the finance side. If, if they're going right. to be over your company financials, you've got to make sure that they have a combination of the education and the experience. Yeah, I was going to I was going to chime in and, and say, like, you <laughs> in a lot of ways and, and you kind of brought this up with the, the sales experience side of things in a lot of different industries and um, roles and and whatnot. You can just go through the school of hard knocks and, and get plenty of experience. And be right? fine. Yeah, be totally fine. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely, definitely not the case with finance. I've been the rounds in the school of hard knocks in terms of finance, <laughs> and I would never in my life ever hire me to do I, I finance. I would either. Right? <laughs> I know. Like, I, I know some of this stuff, and I know it well enough to, to be dangerous. Like, uh, I, can, I can talk the talk, I can walk the walk, but being in charge of a company's financials, even if I wanted to do it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because yeah. it's, it's, I'm not trained in it. Right. Well, I'm not, I don't have that education background that, that supports being able to do it in such a way that is going to benefit the company, um, you know, pointing toward growth, using the right tools, knowing what tools to use mm -hmm. and, and how to use them properly. Right. And so here's something, and I'm going to pick on you as the example, because you're picking on yourself. Sure. And that is, there's more than just training as well. There's a personality type that you don't have for an accountant. Oh, oh my gosh. You're too interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I said I was going to be offensive. I, thank you. I'm not sure I want to take that compliment in, in front of all I, the listeners. I, I'm, I'm joking. I, I have a lot of friends who are accountants. I got a degree in finance. Yeah. You know, I feel like you're kind of in the crowd that can make that joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I hope that I am. Yeah, I think so. So um, I, but there is a personality to it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that personality is, 
it's got to be someone who loves the detail required to keep the uh, the money straight. But here's the other thing. A lot of people who are very detailed-oriented, sometimes they're risk-adverse to the point that they're going to cripple your company. Now, yeah. if you've got someone who is in you know accounts receivables, great. Have someone who's just super detailed and that's all they care about. You know, you don't need to worry about that. But as soon as you make them the CFO, the head of finance for your company, they have to have a high level of risk tolerance. Absolutely no questions asked. For me, that is a deal breaker. Oh, for sure. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how well you know the numbers. If you don't have a level of risk tolerance... You're going to cripple the business because you're going to be so controlling and withholding mm -hmm. that, you know, you're going to you're going to start to see your marketing department be like, well, I can't do anything because, yeah. you know, I don't have any budget to do anything. Yeah. You know, your uh, your your R&D department is is going to just be stuck because they no longer have the budget to do anything, you know, and, and all of these different, you know, aspects, it becomes so just by the numbers that they forget that life happens somewhere in between the numbers. Right. And and I was going to say, and you kind of alluded to it, but I was going to say uh, kind of a sub trait of that is the controlling aspect. You oh. definitely do not want a CFO who is my way or the highway kind yeah. of a deal, yeah. right? That will never lead well, to success. Think about how much control they have in the company. Yeah. And if they're not willing to be a team player, if it's always their way or the highway, they're going to throw a tissy fit and, mm -hmm. you know, close the books and not let anything happen. Like, that's a really big problem oh, okay. for a company that's trying to grow. But so I, I appreciate that you pointed this out because this is a big deal. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned that they're going to throw a tissy fit. I honestly appreciate more when they throw a tissy fit because to me it's more dangerous when they don't when they are controlling without letting you know that they're controlling. And I've Ooh. seen this happen a lot. Oh, my lot, gosh, yeah. Is that you'll have a CFO who is manipulating the yeah. CEO because they hold a lot of control when they hold those purse strings. You know, when they know the numbers, when they know the ratios, they hold a lot of control. And if they're not getting what they want, they start nudging it in the direction that they want it to go. Yeah. And and that's like that snake in the grass to me is more dangerous than the one who is just overtly irritated and oh, yeah. contradictory yeah. and, you know, just complaining against the the rest of the management and right. You know, and so, so how do you guard against this? How, how do you know if your CFO is... Right. I was going to say, now that we've introduced all this doom and gloom, <laughs> we first we talk about all the guilt and you know what I mean? And now it's like doom and gloom. Uh, well, and part of it Good is... Good luck with your finance, folks. <laughs> you have to have this position. Yeah. Well, I, especially as a company, I mean, you're... As a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, you're only one person, right? Like you can't do everything. Even if you love financials, say you do take on that role. That's the one you want to do in your business. You take that role, great. Leave, leave the other things to the other people. You know, um, like we said, it's important to be classically trained. It's important to have that real world experience. But if you're not going to take on that role, it's important to put somebody into that role who is trained, who, who does also have that real world experience so that you can 
start to jump into these other roles and your company can grow and do the other things that it needs to be doing. So yeah, like you said, how do you find this person? Yeah. Well, do you have to go out and hire them? Do you have to pay $150,000 a year for a, a seasoned CFO? So, can you outsource it? You want to jump on Fiverr and so, so, put a put a gig together? Oh, you're asking so many questions. Let me answer something. Come on. No, I got a few more. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I, I, I want to touch on something on, on that, that you talked about, and then we're going to talk about where you get this person or how you get this person. Sure. So the first thing that I want to talk about is as the owner of the company, you have to be checking the financial statements and you have to know what you're looking for. Yeah. If you don't know how to re and now. Okay. I was working with his business and I was I, talking. I always, with I always love that. It's like myself and all of our listeners probably by this point, know it's about to get serious <laughs> when there's the, okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. All right, here we go. I'm talking with this business and you've got this guy who he's, uh, he's, he's in the, uh, you know, he's in the management team of the company and I was talking to him about kind of his role and he comes from an engineering background and okay. he's like, Oh, I know how to read a PNL. And I'm like, sweet. Okay. The thought that just crashed through my mind was, you know how to add and subtract numbers. Uh, yeah, that's what <laughs> you don't know how to read a PNL. Yeah, because those are two different things. It's like, I know some Latin words, but do you understand Latin? R right. Like and I, I've seen that Egyptian hieroglyph before, but you can't decipher the the story that's being told. It, those are two completely different things. If, if you want to know if you know how to read a PNL, there are a couple things that I we're, we're, we're going to do the litna test right now. It's going to take 30 seconds for you to know if you know how to read a PL. So, test number one Do you also know how to read a balance sheet? If you don't, you don't know how to read a PL because those documents go hand in hand. And so, if you cannot, it's, it's like saying, Oh, I know how to drive a car. Cool. You know how to use the gas? Yeah. Do you know how to use the brakes? No. <laughs> then you don't know how to drive a car. Right. You know, and so you have to have both the P&L and the balance sheet. So I, I will tell you right now, if you don't know how to read a balance sheet, you don't know how to read a P&L. So there's test number one. Test number two, if you can't tell me management decisions that are happening in a company based solely off of the P&L and the balance sheet, you don't know how to read a P&L. Right. You, you should be able to tell me how they're managing their inventory. You should be able to tell me if they are in a growth mode or if they are in a uh, very uh, conservative mode. Yep. You know, you should be able to tell me what type of hiring practices this company has. Yes, all of this is just off of the financial statements. And if you can't read that, that's reading a P&L. Right. I know that sales minus expenses gives me profits. Yeah. Well, it, it's like in, I'm going to, I'm two things really quick. I'm going to relate this to my kids at school, right? Because okay. that's the level that I operate at. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry, we'll go back to marketing next time. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. But uh, no, so they do like you read in school, right? But they also test your reading comprehension. 
right? Like you can go through, you could be trained in how to read the words on on the page, but if you don't, if you can't That's look a up great from great example, yeah, if you can't look up from the page and and in your own words interpret what you just read, tell somebody else, oh, well, this is what the story is about. Oh, this is the main character. Oh, this is what just happened, right? Mm -hmm. Then you don't know how to read. Yeah, right. That's a big problem when it comes to reading. It's yeah. like, can you read? Yeah, I can read words. Do you know what you just read? Yeah. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so the other thing I was going to say is like, to all of our listeners, if what you were just saying, Ryan, if, if that, you know, kind of bolstered all of that doom and gloom and guilt and procrastination, it's like, see, this is why. I don't know how to do this. From the, the humble opinion <laughs> of some guy... From a normal person, right? Don't listen to me on well, this. <laughs> in in all honesty, like these are things that that it, it wasn't really all that long ago in my career that I was like, oh yeah, I can I know I can read a PNL. <laughs> What's a balance sheet? <laughs> you know what I mean, right? But it's really not that difficult to be able to take these two documents that have a bunch of foreign looking, I mean, when you're looking at them at first, right? right? These two documents that have a bunch of foreign looking words on them and a, just a bunch of numbers and be able to understand the story, right? It's really not that bad. Just throwing that out there. So if your guilt is kind of like welling within you, take a deep breath, go do some yoga, <laughs> meditate. Sure. You'll be okay. <laughs> but as an entrepreneur, You've got to be able to read these. Yeah, it's super important. And so if you're not there, take some training. I mean, obviously, we're biased to our own training, but there are plenty of trainings out there. <laughs> was, that, was, was that a sneaky plug? I was. It was really subtle. Uh, growth by the numbers. <clears throat> I know. Like... Found on mastermind.com. <laughs> if you if you play this episode backwards, all you hear is now for the three easy payments. <laughs> but, but 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 seriously, you've got to know how to read those. And that's the first thing that you're going to do to keep your CFO in check is you're gonna be reading those financial statements. And if you're not reading those financial statements, if you're relying 100% on your CFO, that is a mistake. Yeah. If, if you can't read them, get someone from the outside who can. Find an advisor and say, hey, Mr. Advisor or Mrs. Advisor, I want you to look over my financials on a quarterly basis, and you're just going to tell me what's going on in your company. And that person can provide a checks and balance for the CFO. So if, if you're like, look, this is way over my head. I have zero interest in learning it. Yeah, I don't want to learn Latin or no. Egyptian hieroglyphs. I just want to be able to make the calls, yeah. so do other stuff. Get, get an advisor who does know how to read it and then have them keep the CFO in check. The next thing that I'm going to test my CFO on is I'm going to see if they always get their way. In management meeting, if they're not walking away from time to time, absolutely frustrated. Throwing the tissy fit. <laughs> throwing the tissy. Seriously. Like, they they need to be indicating that they think this is a bad idea and we're yeah. doing it as a company anyway. That from time to time is healthy because if that never happens, that's a good indication that your CFO might actually be running the show. Yeah. And there are other minds at work in that company. You know, right. Okay. 
you asked a whole slew of questions, and one that I wanted to talk about uh, is, you know, can you outsource this position? Yes. Yes. Just not to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take your money, but <laughs> it's not going to be like, great. Like, <laughs> like a good financial manager? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Dude, I totally could do that job. <laughs> Ryan Owens, uh, financial planner, certified. For sure. Yeah. Certified asterisk. <laughs> Degree earned at the school of hard knocks. Yeah. With your company. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, they pay me for, they pay me for a financial plan and they get back a marketing strategy. Here you go. <laughs> They're like, sweet. Yeah. And unfortunately, I know a few business owners Dude. that would be like, sweet, that works. Yeah. I love finance. <laughs> it's too real. Oh. It's too real. You, you, oh. can, you can definitely outsource the CFO position. Uh, you, don't, you don't ever have to see this person face-to-face. -face. It can be 100% virtual. Yeah. It doesn't even have to, be, have to be a person. It can be a company. Yeah. You know, and don't be afraid to pay some money because you're not paying them. They're not on salary. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Like, if you want to do this, so we recommend looking, we're going to give, we're going to give our listeners a minute to see if they know the answer to this pop quiz question. Sweet. How often should be, should you be reviewing your financials every year? How many times in a year? Annually. No, like how many, how many times annually? Yes. <laughs> how many times? Annually. <laughs> wrong. You just got that answer wrong. I'm just kidding. Anyway, 17. No. I was totally guessing. You weren't, you weren't totally guessing. <laughs> Tell them why it's 17. Because you should be doing it once a month, once a quarter. You, you got the annually part right. And I don't remember when else. That's it. 12 oh, plus yeah. 4 plus 1 is 17. And that's why I don't do finance. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Math on the fly in my head. I don't remember where I was going with that. That if you're only doing it 17 times and if you're outsourcing it, then it doesn't oh, yeah. cost you that much. You can pay the money for it. There you go. I think that's what you were going to say. Nailed it. Well, with that. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we do need to wrap up this episode. And I, I want to just kind of put this in there that this is a necessary position. You know, For sure. And we've joked around a lot, but this is an absolutely necessary position. And when you do it, a good CFO, some of the things that they should be producing for you would be uh, financial ratio analysis. You need to have financial ratio analysis. They should be giving you trends and forecasts. They should be giving you target uh, target numbers that you're going for, You know, like target inventory, target payroll. And, and they really should be giving you a lot of the foundation for the management decisions. If you're having management meeting, I think that management meeting should kick off with a quick overview from the financial manager. Like that's the person that in my book should start the, the meeting by giving the overview of, okay, here we are. And, and I think you should take the time. It takes time. There's no getting around it taking time. So that's, that's kind of my, yeah. my, my summary of, hey, here's, here's what you're looking for, you know, when you're looking for a, a, a CFO. Really quick, before we tie this off, because we really do need to end this episode, I want to throw in that a couple of key terms that you uh, threw out there. I want to highlight these really quick. This is sure. They provide the foundation 
or ma management decisions. They're not making these decisions. No. They're, they're giving you the basis on which you can look at and say, okay, this is what we're doing, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do this, or I'm making the decision, and this is why, kind of thing. Right. The other thing is that you said it it should be a quick <laughs> look at the numbers. This shouldn't take you 45 minutes to an hour. This should be like five to ten minutes. Ding, 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 it, ding. If you're staying up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because, again, if you're looking at it often enough, you know where you're going. If you're doing it 17 times. Which is definitely the number we recommend because it's 12 plus 4 plus 1. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. With that, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening in. We appreciate it so much. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email. We are ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com. We would love to hear from you guys. Take care, and we will catch you next time. Take care. Mm -hmm.